Welcome to part two of this episode with Dave Glass in the Who We're Becoming miniseries. Guys, this is great. This is a great second half to the episode. We talk about being a grandfather, playing tricks on your grandkids occasionally, which is super fun. We also discuss the importance of having good friends, making good friends. And we also talk about how sometimes as we get older, we lose a little bit of the filter, which can be a good thing, actually. Lastly, I want to mention some of you probably noticed my mistake last episode where I talked about the good, better, best general conference talk, and I ascribed it to President Hinckley. Well, it, that was actually down on a joke. So both of the talks that I discussed in the first half of this episode were from Dallin H. Oak. So apparently I'm actually obsessed with him. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the second part of Dave Glasses Who Were Becoming episode. I, I think one thing you mentioned when we were doing the pre-show planning too is that a rewarding thing about getting older is knowing how to talk to people with less of a filter. I, I think you even mentioned like becoming the grumpy old man, right? <laughs> That's right. But tell me more about that. I, I, it's just I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you have to have a tact with people and you have to be kind and, and all those things, but there's times when you should be more direct. And if somebody's acting inappropriately or they're screwing up, I think it's good for any of us to have a friend that checks us. Yeah. Sometimes I need that. And that person, Agreed. that person's my wife. She checks me and says, you need to do this or you need that. And most of the time she's right. Yeah. But uh, what I usually do is argue with her about it a little bit, tell her that <laughs> that's not the way it is. And then a few months later, I come up with it as my idea. And then I repackage it. I repackage it. She's hey. such a husband. I say, I repackage it and I say, we should be doing this and this. And she looks at me and she goes, I told you like three months ago. No, you didn't. You said it this way. It's the same thing. I rephrase it. it it's a pretty standard ploy, but you're onto it. But, uh, Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> but, but they, whole, they know. They know. I'll tell you right now, I, they know. I don't, I don't fool her. She's used to all my words and tricks and, and that's, uh, you know, I guess that's good. But, uh, being older, yeah, you you just don't have time for the garbage, and you want it to be direct and clear and easy, and certainly uh, there's a lot there's a lot of people that need that directness. Yeah, and on, honestly, I think there's a flip side to that too, right? Because I I think that the directness that helps more than being kind of passive aggressive or whatever when you're trying to help elicit change. Please. But I I also think having more candor when you're trying to share something that you care about or, or share something you really like about somebody too. You know, I, I think even just like getting super mushy on Kirk here. I don't know why I have you sitting here, but <laughs> I just picking on me all day. He looks like he needs a hug. Actually. You know, first <laughs> something that I need to say more often is like, you're one of my few friends that actually just text me and be like, I miss you, man. Like, well, yeah, and see, I, what's up? And that I need to, you know, learn to say more. Like, that really means a lot, you know. I got um, you. I'll do yeah. it again too. <laughs> you probably will. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was just I think too with that. I have a couple of friends too that I, I mean, they tell you how the cow eats or whatever the saying is too, and you're like, they still respect him. I would say yeah. Stetson's one of those people. He's not uh, afraid to tell you what you're doing wrong or right and what's up but he also means the best for yeah. you that guy has the biggest heart ever he's not afraid even if you're the bishop yeah <laughs> he'll tell you yeah. yeah i think you come up with a good point though and 
the what you're saying is, and I don't think we think about it that much, but is, and I've noticed it to be true, is that as you get older, you you can be a little softer sometimes, and you can look that's at somebody good. and and tell them how you feel, right, and tell them something that's important to you or an experience you had that you think might be relevant and help them. And and as you get older, you in some ways you're harder, but in other ways you're softer, and you recognize things and you see through a broader perspective. It's like this is pretty important over here, and, and I'm going to share a little something with you, and it's, it might hurt me a little bit, it might be uncomfortable, but it's important. Yeah, but you need to hear it. Yep. Maybe you know your time is short and you want them to know their worth. Yeah, it's a good way. To That's it. important. I, th- I think you can even see that in the prophets in the Book of Mormon as we're reading through, you know, Lehi and Nephi. They're like, they, they have those moments where like kids come around. I got to tell you something, man. Like, absolutely right. And I, did, I can relate to it more as a father now. Yeah, Alma yeah. did that with all his kids. Yeah. And, yeah. It's kind of Monson did a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of good storytelling and stuff. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. Where do we go from here? We already talked about steak, which is great. <laughs> which time? Which line? Oh, man. What's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a question on here for you. That's right. So what is it? What's some good, bad advice? No, let's you do know, some funny stuff for a minute. I okay. Like it. Yeah. What is the let's worst advice you ever had? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not advice from a person, but it's more of a <laughs> advice from, in general. Social. Yeah, it's just that you you deserve certain things in life, and therefore you should just go buy them and live a certain way without regard to consequences. And I think that's really bad advice. I would agree, but I would say that is kind of the way the world is with social media and stuff too. It's like you deserve this or that. That's it's right. like technically, it's a big lie. What everybody's doing, all the vacations and all the the, you the know, facades the, that the you see, influencers. Yeah, and, yeah. Look what I do and how I live and everything else. And it's it's not real. And it's not healthy, and it creates a, a false sense of reality, which you wonder why so many youth are un- unhappy, right? This is the way I'm supposed to live, and I see this every day, and they seem to be happy. Well, you're only seeing what they want you to see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's unfortunate because it creates a whole generation of people that have uh, uh, like a false sense of what reality is and of how to be happy and what life is really about instead of focusing on like we talked about before the priorities and it's it's tough though and I, I can definitely sympathize it you know as in my profession at least as a doctor when you get out of school there's a lot of societal pressure to live a certain standard as far as a lifestyle and frankly like for most of us it's not a lifestyle we can afford that's right no you know absolutely yeah we're and, trying to get light. Now we're getting back into deep already again. I know. <laughs> well, let's talk about... What do you got, no, no, Jason? No, we'll, what do you got? We'll go light. Well, what's the most absurd thing you enjoy? Why don't you read that? <laughs> Why don't you read your response oh, there? Oh, I don't even know where that is. Oh, that's your... Uh, that's your, your page two. Of page women. two. Uh, yeah, what is the most absurd thing you enjoy, Dave? Oh, I said uh, seeing my enemies driven before me and hearing the lamentation of their women. But I, I would amend that to say it like this. Seeing my enemies driven before me, I'm hearing the lamentation of the women. <laughs> yes. And my poorest Austrian accent. No. Okay. So, no. Kirk, do you know where that's from? I do not. I, for real, bro? Yeah, just take your man card, put it on the table, and walk away. Whoa. Wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> that was Sorry. Not hurt my feelings, but I don't know. I don't know. Conan the Barbarian. My wife knew it. My wife yeah. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> oh, I failed you. Darn. 
You want to watch have, it together now? I think I've seen it a long time ago. It was okay. not ringing a bell. You've probably seen it. I'm yeah, pretty sure I have, but I don't remember it. Movie. Yeah. I know I've heard it before, but I've never. Actually, what are what are some of your favorite movies? I'm I'm, I'm like now that we're at our old age, right? We've had <laughs> time right to let them. Age. We've had time to let them, you know, ripen, and 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 we've we've had the test of years. Like, what what movies do you go back to that you watch over and over again? Mm. Well, there's there's different ones. There's ones I watch with my wife, and ones I watch not with my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the ones I watch with you are my favorite. Oh, you enjoy the most. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's so many great movies out there. It's hard to pick. It's hard know, to watch to movies because he's a bullet counter. I'm a bullet counter. Right? I yep. hate the magazines that people fire uh-huh. that never run mm-hmm. out. And there's unrealistic fighting. <laughs> it drives me crazy. And there's proper procedures takes for breaking out. down doors. Yeah. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Improper procedure. Improper procedure. Oh my gosh, John Wick. <clears throat> I had a hard time watching it, and he wasn't even there. And a dog died in that, so. <laughs> and two yeah. dogs died. Oh, was it two? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in the first one and the fourth one. Oh, well, I haven't watched yeah. the fourth one, so. Yeah, there's you're a ready. whole lot of bad fights. So I'm a bullet counter, there. you're a dog counter. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I can't stand when the dogs die. She cares about animals, you care about ammunition. It's okay, that's, that's it's okay. Fair. And or yeah, fake yeah. guns that just never <laughs> run out. I get no, it. There's so many genres of movies that are yeah. really cool. Yeah. I know Depends you guys on the watch mood, the, the Lord of the Rings every year, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I like uh, some of the movies that I find that are really good, like uh, Saving Private Ryan. That's one of my yeah. favorites. Um, just a classic. Oh, you liked, uh, what's that series? That um, um, World War II. Band of Brothers. Yeah, that was so oh, yeah. Band of Brothers. Really good. I think I've watched yeah. a couple of those. Yeah. But there's, there's movies that are more even, uh, I'll admit it, uh, my sweet wife is there's some uh pride and prejudice pride he and prejudice that. that's actually really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'll, it, yeah. that's one i'll sit through too mm-hmm. like i'm i'm 100 percent it's on board a love with story yeah. but it's a it's cool he loves mr darcy i like mr darcy i can relate to him mm-hmm. you know except for the money he likes persuasion persuasion's okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that you introduced those to me so mm-hmm. you've enriched my life deeply. he likes pretty much every <laughs> zombie movie i've ever made him watch you make him watch zombie movies well, not the blood and gore ones, yeah. mm-hmm. but he likes like Zombieland and oh, all zombie. of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've watched some of those. Yeah, yeah. He watches all my vampire movies with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Love and Monsters! I don't know how many times he's watched that. Oh, yeah, can't wait to watch that one again. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that one actually, the main, the main guy. I watch it because it reminds me of our middle son that died. His forehead is super mushy. His eyes, his eyes his look eyes the same. Looks like yeah. my middle son. So, oh. yep, I get that. <laughs> I watch it over and over again. Well, thanks for keeping it light, babe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We try to keep it light, and then we yeah. dive in. Go right back. Yeah. That's right. See, that's yeah. why I read books where dogs don't die. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That is sad, you know. I did now. I know that there's going to be a dog death in John Wick Four. Got to oh prepare for that. It's a really nice dog. It's one of those police dogs, those Malinois. Oh right. Yeah, oh. but it's Halle Berry, super bad fighter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot fight for real. Yeah, she can't fight for real. She tries. I did. I did want to talk with you more about. Uh, I did want to talk with you more about parenting too, and just. One of our questions, and, and this is kind of a tough question, but it's what is a regret that you have as a parent? Mm. And, and what have you learned over the years about parenting? And I, I think you put just being busy was one thing. 
that or regret yeah. and just talk with us more and maybe what you've learned over the years yeah I worked a lot and I and I mean a lot yeah I would be gone there would be at least one week six or seven days a month I was gone just off training and then in between that there was missions and those could be one day to a week and they were not and, that and, close to home every time you know, right you and drive I wasn't, a few hours at home and, at night. yeah and so I was gone very frequently and then there'd be times when you know, I don't know how many times we were in a movie or out at a dinner or something and I get paged called out away. and I get called out and I'm gone for days, you know? Yeah. So, and then when I get back, I'm trashed. I'm tired. Yeah. So it's hard to be there. Hard yeah, to be that's there. That's how you told you that story mm -hmm. where I kicked in the head. Yeah. Yeah. You'd been up for 40 hours, 48 hours straight. Nah, something like that. It was, yeah, it was been a, it would've been a few days. I think I told you that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We, we talked about the kick to the head. Kick to the head. Yeah. <clears throat> And so, anyway, the point of it with parenting is that... And we were a young family, so we worked opposite hours. Right. So there's that struggle. So you're passing ships in the wind, pretty much. Right. Yeah, or right. at night, yeah. That's right. And so there's that struggle you have as parents of what's really the most important thing. Well, it was being together as a family, really, not, not the work. Unfortunately, I couldn't disengage myself from my work. Uh, I could have taken a different assignment. You know, and he couldn't have taken a different assignment. He wasn't that kind of a person. Right. I was gonna say. I mean, yeah, perhaps. But, but you know, in retrospect, when young guys come on the team, when I first got on the SWAT team, you never went off page unless you were on vacation. You can't say, and that was only for two or three weeks a year. So you can't say, hey, I'm gonna go uh, see my kids' game. I need to be off page. No, you're on page. Uh, it's my anniversary. I need to be off page. No. Right. That's how it was. You missed anniversaries, missed birthdays, all that kind of stuff. And when I became the team leader and young guys came on, they would they would come up to me and say, hey, you know, I got a, a special thing going on here. And I said, OK, you're off page. So I was able to change it because I recognized that the uh, the most important thing was the family. And a lot of these young guys don't have the same perhaps spiritual background, and, you know, and understanding and. Uh, a lot of guys get divorced in cop work and uh, even more guys on the SWAT team because of the commitment. So my goal was to make sure that the guys were able to get off page and go do what they need to do. Missing one guy's not going to kill us, right? So special events, guys got off. So maybe they could be better parents than, than I was during that time. Wow. Not just parents, but spouse. You spouse know, too. Well, yeah. yeah, it's important. Yeah, I, I was really lucky. Leah never complained. She never, uh, you know, said you need to do this or that or you're not around enough. She just said, "Oh, I miss you," and I'm sure you're here more. But always yeah. very supportive, and you know, and then any overtime checks were, you know, just turned over to her. But uh, they help a little bit. <laughs> take care of the bills. Yeah, but that's my regret is mm. is not spending enough time being a dad and engaging in opportunities to make a closer family that as I could have been. And it, it's hard because I can see in Leah, you got into this a little bit too, where sometimes it's, it's not purely a choice you're making, you know, sometimes life circumstances get in the way and can make it tough. But I, I do think we make mistakes as parents. And I, I think one thing I've learned to do is just to be vulnerable and tell my kids like I, I think I messed up and I'm sorry we've done and that we we um we've done that when we thought we've messed up and we needed to um 
regroup or redo something that we've gone back or I know that I've gone back and we didn't raise David's daughter. There were a couple times when his ex-wife just disappeared. We didn't know where she was for years, but we did raise my boys. They always knew what was going on. They knew the state of our checkbook. They knew, they knew the lay of the land and they knew what he was doing. Um, and they helped me protect him when he needed to sleep and they helped me and they helped me do what I needed to do and we protected him and what he needed to do to and keep the house peaceful and serene so he could be safe in his job that was our goal and um, and they did all the sports they wanted they did everything that they wanted you were a good dad the whole way through and they loved him and he helped them so much. He was a better dad than their biological dad. And he judges himself way too hard. Well, I think we he's all He's always that. done that. Uh, yeah. We all do that. That's the dad card. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We all look and back you, and... You always you know, can I mean, look back and find every mistake you've ever made. Sure. But I remember every month I would, I would go back and I would look at everything that I've done and I would ask myself, could I have done better? And I always would answer, no, I've done the best that I possibly could. There's nothing that I could have changed. I, I can't think of anything else that I, I would have done differently to do better than what I have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was so afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. And I think that's where a lot of us as parents are too. It's it, Maybe we have regrets, but there are things that if we really realistically went back we might not have been able to change too much. And I think that's where grace comes in. A lot of it is is that just like God doesn't expect our kids to be perfect, he doesn't expect the parents to be either. Right. Kirk, I, I'm wondering too with you, because man, we're, we're at that age where we're still trying to figure stuff out. Your kids are a little younger than mine. Like, how do you handle that with, with the kids when you do feel maybe, maybe there is some sort of shortcoming you've had as a parent or, or a mistake? I mean, I try to let them know, but I don't, I mean, I was trying to think like, Leah, you stated that these kids, your your children growing up, you felt like they knew kind of what was going on in the state of the home and or checkbook and whatnot, what kind of responsibilities they that you guys had as parents, right? Growing up, I don't feel like, I mean, that's the other thing. You kind of bounce back of your own growing up and kind of that's kind of obviously what you're going to project as you grow up as well and things you've learned along the ways. It's kind of, that's that's a tough one. That's kind of something that I feel like I've been talking, you know, my wife about. And we, What do you tell the kids? Where do you let them know that it's a mistake or not? Or do you let them, I mean, and I'm not trying to say that by like, I make a mistake and try to be prideful about it. But I'm like, do they need to know yeah. everything right now? Or are they going to understand now um, things that you might understand? And it's just kind of interesting to think about that. I don't always, um, I think in different stages, you know, I, I think Levi being 13, almost 14 is the age now where he can understand that he has good parents, but I can tell him does like, he? no, He's, he also thinks he, does he listen to this body? Um, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's an adolescent, so he also thinks that he knows more than us, but you know, he, he is at that age where we can kind of pull him aside and say like, Hey, the situation the other day, like, I don't think it went as well as I would have liked. And that, that's kind of a cool thing that I enjoy. Whereas like, again, like when our kids were your youngest age, it, it, we weren't able to have that kind of talk with them. They right. wouldn't, it's not gonna they wouldn't know in. what they to do with yet. that information, right? 
So I think it's kind of just navigating and yeah. almost picking and choosing moments that you can go back and have a conversation. Um, just watching them kind of yeah. learn things through life and friends and struggles or whatnot. And then I think it is important probably to be able to recognize and go back kind of like what you guys said. That's pretty awesome. And able to have that conversation later and say, Hey, this yeah. and that, or was wrong or this and that's different. Or, I mean, well, I, that, I, that's just a, a growth thing, you know, and, yeah. and on both parties and learning. I think it's important that kids are involved in that whole process simply because if they don't understand the pressures that their parents have, the responsibilities that they have to meet, then how are they going to be part of that family? How are they going to be part of the decisions? And when when they see the struggles their parents have, then it makes them appreciate things more and they realize, hey, you know what? I, I thought this was all free. Right, yeah, right, right. So milk just have, appears. We always exactly. My laundry just magically gets folded. Right. <laughs> um, if they don't understand the struggles, yeah. Then when when the cohesiveness of the family is diminished, and when they see, for example, back in the day, my dad, he he was quite a bit older. I was he was fifty some when I was fifty five when I was born. Um, all the bad genetics just were kind of left, and that's what came out. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But the struggle they went through, right, as a family of back in the day, they went from they walked from Oklahoma to Texas in the 20s. And as an eight year old, nine year old boy, he's picking cotton and living as a sharecropper in Texas in a tent. So <clears throat> that's a struggle, right? right. Now, now, yeah, he was beaten regularly. And, and a lot of times when his parents died, he. Uh, this is your dad? Uh, yeah, my mm-hmm. dad. When his parents his died, he lived with his uncle. parents were my grandparents' age. Yeah, when his parents died, he lived with his uncle, and those kids ate first, and what was ever left is what he would eat. So, if as a family, if you don't share the hardships, then you miss an opportunity for the Learning. cohesiveness and the love and the understanding that uh, they might have otherwise, and and also the appreciation, uh, because they may just think it's all easy. And if and also, I think that if they have that understanding. Mm-hmm they're going to be kinder to the parents and say, well, maybe I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. This, this is a lot. Oh, that's, that's, you just said a lot there that I think is really helpful because I, I do think just through personal experience, the times when we've taken down the veil or whatever of the kids and let them see everything we go through, I, I think it does like give them more perspective and, and help them be a little bit more kind and, and merciful as kids too. And it, it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. I think I, I wanted to move on because, you know, it, I think it is a really healthy exercise to talk about maybe things that we reflect on that we wish we could do different. But I, as we've changed, I think the, the positive topic here is that we change and we, we improve and we learn. And I think you mentioned that you've learned as a parent and a grandparent now to let God lead um, after doing everything you can do. And I'm curious if you could tell me more what that looks like. Yeah. I, I mean, quite frankly, when I was younger, I was just, I could force anything. I could do anything. Mm. I could make anything happen. And just by sheer will. And the fact of the matter is, is that you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and you end up beating yourself against a rock and making yourself miserable. But over time, and that's not to say I never had faith in anything. Like so obviously all that was there, but as you mellow and get a little bit more perspective in life and everybody's different on the timing of that, you understand that really God's in charge, right? It's, it's like this concept you'll see on the news. Oh, there's a, a comet that's coming near earth and it could crash and then, and then people will get nervous. And I'm like, God's in charge, right? I don't have to worry about that. 
right? If it happens, it happens. But yeah. I know God has a plan. I know he's in charge. The only thing I can do is do the best I can within my sphere of responsibility. Try to be right with God. Teach my children the best I can. And he has it from there. That's all I can do. And it relieves you of all of this horribleness that we dump on ourselves over and over again and the lamenting and, and all of these things that do us no good and only torment us. And so what I've learned is, yeah, God's in charge of everything. I have my responsibility. I'm going to fulfill my responsibility to the best I can. And if things go to hell, then I know that God has a plan and that it'll come around and he'll make it right. And I can be happy with what I've done. And I'd, I wanted to just piggyback on that a little bit, but what do you what do you enjoy about your family life now? We talked a bit about the grandkids, but maybe just talking about your relationship with Leah, your kids, grandkids. and. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the first thing and the most important thing has always been my relationship with Leah. And it's quite frankly, always been a really good relationship. There's, I could count on one hand the time we've had arguments. And as long as I agree with her, that's the way it stays. <laughs> then it's all good. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. <laughs> it's, you know, she's singing and cooking me steak. So what do you want? Yeah, right. Um, but, but quite frankly, uh, that's, <laughs> I'm getting the daggers. No, I felt the eye roll over here. Yeah, yeah. You feel the intensity there? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, in, but in truth, uh, that's how it's been. She's always been a great wife and a great friend, and, and that's been what makes that part of life easier. But with the children and, and so forth, the perspective and the change over time is, is uh, as the kids get older and they have kids, they understand a lot of the struggles that we went through and all of a sudden you can see the light go on for them. Yeah. Until you've lived it. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. You and like that. Like, <laughs> and, and we have our sons come to us down and go, wow, I, you guys really, really took care of us. And I understand what you did here and, and how it was because I'm struggling with this over here now. And, and, and then comes the magical time that you hope happens with every or kid. not hope. It or would be not. nice if they didn't have yeah. to go through that. Right. But you, the magical time comes when they come to you for advice. <laughs> right. 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 You go for that phase where you're like, yeah, they know nothing. And yeah. then you like come back around like, you know a lot. That's right. <laughs> like, I realize. Or you kind of get that small talk like, hey, what about this, dad or mom? Like, <laughs> That's right. And you're like, oh. They, they realize <laughs> that, you know what? Mom and dad, they've been through some stuff. We're all have just... some good perspective. And, and what would you guys do, mom and dad? Right. And so that relationship changes to uh, a lot more of a friendship and a kinship. An adult-to-adult conversations mm -hmm. instead of like a kid conversation, too, because they're going through life lessons right there. You That's know? right. And in some ways, the relationship's better, right? Would you agree, Leah? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the grandkids is unique in itself because they're, I, I have more fun with the grandkids than I do with the kids. And people say this all the time. Right. But it's, I have more free time. But you also, growing up, like you think about your own grandparents. I've had this conversation with my wife a few times too about grandparents. Like growing up, grandparents could do absolutely nothing. Like in the scheme of things, like my grandparents would come over and bring us cookies or something and hang out and leave. And you're like, grandparents are the best. You know, like you just love them. They're so cool. Because yeah. they, they, I don't know if they, yeah. it's because of that responsibility is kind of not there. Just to be a mentor and a person that cares about them. And I think that free time kind of plays into that. But grandparents rock, man. I mean, they're the best ever. You think, I don't, in my personal life, my grandparents were awesome. I love them. And I, most people I could beg to differ would say the same. So I, I think agree. it's awesome that you're in their life. And I think the perspective is this. It's I'm not involved with the minutia of everything. There you go. Yep. There you go. You're and, not going to get after them about grades. You're there to have a good day. Right. And, <laughs> and so when we talk to them, 
they listen a little bit more, right? There you yep. go. All right, because you're not telling them what to do all the time. You're talking about life experiences or telling a story, and and quite frankly, I get Except a lot. Except for Matthias. Of, yeah, <laughs> I, I get a lot of joy in uh, in spinning tales to my oh uh, grandchildren. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Then years later. Well, for example, mm-hmm. the first one was my granddaughter, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And, I was and how old is she now? Uh, 16. 16. But this was probably when she was seven. Uh, she bleeped every word that came out of his mouth. <laughs> and and I, was, I was incredibly sarcastic and yeah. spun all um, kinds of tales. But yeah. we, we I would had, love to hear the story I, she tells I her friends. That, man. Yeah. <laughs> we got a tuft of hair. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I put it in a vial and it said uh, um, Bigfoot hair. <laughs> and I told awesome. her, I said, yeah, I was out in the woods you know, doing some mm-hmm. stuff for work. Mm-hmm. And I saw this huge footprint. And I'm walking along because we're trying to sneak into this place. And, and I see this tuft of hair. And I go, yeah, it was Bigfoot hair. And she was just on oh, it. Oh, she's right? eating this yeah. up. And, and I just come off the fly. <laughs> I still said, yeah. believe Dave if he told me that. Yeah, yeah. I said, I mean, probably. <laughs> like Dave found Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. no, nobody it, can know. NBD, like. moving on. Dave found Bigfoot. We know. <laughs> right. He's so, a gangster. It happened. Okay. Carry so, on. <laughs> so, then, so then I get on the computer and I say, yeah, this is where it was. And I had no idea. This was just oh, sheer my word. dumb luck, right? And I type in the area in Southern Oregon that I was in, and it had a huge, oh, no. it had a huge uh, uh, array of Bigfoot sightings. And I go, see? Oh man! So she was hooked, man. Oh yeah, line and sinker, <laughs> man. You got her. And then, and then she goes home and tells her parents, "Yeah, Grandpa saw Bigfoot this and this." <laughs> and then they're calling me, "What's this about Bigfoot?" Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that went on for a while, for years, for years. And then she finally looked at me, came to me one day, and, and just kind of had that look, like. <laughs> Like there's no Santa Claus. Exactly. The Santa Claus. We're kind of, yeah, I hear you. That's what I was just going to relate to. But, but the end of that was she gave her me her sister. A, she gave me a gift not too long ago. Her and her dad made um, coasters out of uh, epoxy. epoxy and resin. And one was a Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> she Keeping it alive. So good. So just kind of a little memory. And then That's we did awesome. the same thing with uh, Remy, who's seven. seven. When she was five. When she was five with uh, fairies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I made little doors and hooked them on the trees that didn't fall in this last storm. That's right. Hooked them on the trees outdoors. Mm-hmm. And Remy came over and we said, mm-hmm. oh, there's fairies, there's fairies have moved in. And I spun this tale about they only come mm-hmm. out at night. They're really shy. Mm-hmm. They like gifts, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to leave them a note and some buttons and a mm-hmm. seashell. Mm-hmm. So she did that. And then she wrote him a letter. Mm-hmm. And then we wrote her a letter back. <laughs> and so they're having this conversation with the fairies. Yeah. And, and That's awesome. Yeah. I'm having a conversation right now with Emmy and the Tooth Fairy. Are you really? Um, yeah, actually, and she just gave her last tooth. So I've been right. I wrote the first note. So just the other day, Mona was like, "You got to write the note again." Like she got to kiss. It's in awesome. my handwriting. I was like trying to write it kind of goofy, so you wouldn't maybe tell, but she believes it. it's awesome. We signed it yeah. TF. You know, it's fun. That's awesome. And then, there's not something magical, it, right? In, in a no. kid's life. It, it, and- it, yeah, and that's all coming to an end too. Here soon. I mean, she just turned nine. You know, it's only a little bit before oh, she's like, funny, wait like- a minute. Owen, Owen, uh, this year was when he found out Santa's not real. But he came, he came down and he was like, "Mom, Dad, like I found out Santa's not real." <laughs> Gotta have a talk. But, like, he, like he was yeah, telling you, he was yeah, gonna break yeah, it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but <laughs> he's like, did to but us. I want us to still pretend that he's real. It was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And growing up, I was, the fairies, that's awesome. We grew up with gnomes. We always had gnome homes in the woods and like little roots that had a little cavern, you know, or something. That's the gnome home. That's where they go. My dad used that's to tell cool. us stories of the gnomes all the time and running around the woods and all kinds of things and the little bird baths that they'd play in. And yeah, it's always the gnomes. That's awesome. I, I think I have a logical place for us to end a couple of questions, but Kirk, I saw you writing some notes down. Did you have any other questions or things you want to talk to Dave about? Or? Honestly, I was writing down notes of some of those books and movies that I want to check out. Yeah, no, I've got I like mean, I feel like I need things. to be better at reading books. That is I'm something I don't want to say it's like a 
goal per se, but it'd be good for me. I'll take you golfing if you read a book. I'm down, okay. but I, I'm thinking probably books. Uh, you know, either that or like podcasts and listening to a book on okay. as I, I drive around. I know you listen to this podcast. I do. Yeah, that's kind of what I was writing down. Those some things to look up. I want to remember to look those books up. Okay, so I I think I'd like to end here. A couple of questions talking about how your faith has evolved over the last five years or so. And I, I one thing that you put is that you feel like you're able to better recognize when God has protected you and been there for you. And I, I just wanted to talk more about how you have noticed your faith changing. I would hope that my faith is always changing and growing until I come to a perfect knowledge. And, and certainly over my life, there's been uh, <clears throat> numerous incidents of God's infinite love for me when I wasn't even deserving and uh, how foolish I, could, I was in times when I was younger and, and just thought I could do everything and, and that uh, I knew the best. But as you get older and experience things, and, and certainly there's a lot of people that are way ahead of me on so many things. And uh, from a younger age, I look at the youth we have now and, and I'm impressed by a lot of the youth we have and, and how they see things and way ahead of where I was at that age. I was pretty hard headed. I have changed a lot and my faith has grown. <clears throat> I've always had faith in God. I've always known. And even as a young man, I always knew it was right. I never questioned throughout my life, even even through the ups and downs of, of, you know, being a better church member or not. I always knew it was true. And I always knew that God was there for me. But sometimes I just didn't want to be there. Uh, and as and as we grow in our faith, as I've personally grown over the, over the years, I'm <clears throat> continually impressed at the, uh, the infinite love that our Heavenly Father has for us. His <clears throat> desire is a loving parent for us to be happy and to return and live with him. And certainly I look at, uh, you count your blessings when you get older and you look back and I, I look back at uh, protection I received of meeting my wife, of uh, the safety I was given at work, of children and, and all these different things, church callings and spiritual experiences attending the temple. And it becomes this uh, <clears throat> beautiful mosaic that becomes this uh, this grand thing of what life is. It becomes just pieces of life here and there, key moments that become a, this beautiful thing that is all we're really going to take with us when we pass. Our family, our experiences, our faith, the relationships that we've had through our life. That's how the faith has changed, is the perspective, the picture, and the understanding of what it's all really about. And I've been very blessed with all those things. That's so good. I love that. I'm going to keep that mosaic. image in my head, no pun intended, yeah, of, well said. of a mosaic. Yeah, well yeah. said. Just a, a remembrance of the times God has shown up for you or, or of people that meant a lot to you, right? you know, or mean a lot to you. That's, that's really neat. I love that. Okay, there, there are a couple of things I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning here, okay. but the... Tell us, describe Leah. Tell us what you like about her, so that we can. That <laughs> he we cried can once know. already, bud. Jeez. Yeah. Uh. So for those of us who haven't gotten to know Leah well yet, you know, hopefully we do in the future, right? Sure. We already said that we're going to come watch Lord of the Rings at your house. So you know, the, but uh, and you have to uh, have uh, barefooted with uh, hair on your feet. Okay, there you go. That's, you're going. You got to go full <laughs> Hobbit. Um, yeah, it will be a second. Breakfast. I mean, you're a little too tall for a <laughs> Hobbit. I could probably yeah. pass, but um, yeah. 
and and then I want you the next question I want you to answer as after that is I want you to tell us who Dave Glass is becoming at this point in time. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, well, what I like about Leah is that what you're saying. What's yep? That's that's very a very good question. If I was if if I'd had a conversation with God in the pre-existence, pre-earth life about. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not pushing for more steak here, huh? Okay. No, right. no, I know. It's I coming know. though. I feel it. it. It's good. <laughs> no, if I'd had that conversation about Dave, what, what do you want in a spouse? Well, he knows what's best for me. Yeah. Right. And certainly, in the case of Leah, he took all my input and then he put other things that I didn't know I needed. And I think that's the best thing about a spouse, is you have a, a preconception of I want this, this, and this. But the most important things are the things that you don't know you need that help you progress and be a better person because at the stage you're choosing a spouse, you, you don't know, know much. You don't yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. right? And I was very lucky with Leah because she was everything I wanted, but she was also everything I needed. And it's been that way throughout my life. It's a good answer. <laughs> not even rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> She is not staring at him while he's answering this question either. So that's right. a little pressure, a little pressure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good, good, good answer to that though. And that's very true. I think, I think you touched on something that's a little kind of hilarious because the, when we're choosing a spouse at that age, like think about what you don't know then, you know, yeah. I mean, like you're a young you man, you don't know nothing. No. And then to get lucky with the women that we have today in our lives is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. And I would say that there is a hand in that for sure. I think that's a good point. The Heavenly yep. Father saw and fills voids that we needed that we didn't know we did through these awesome women. Well, certainly that's uh, a reason why we need to listen to the Spirit when we're choosing a spouse, because God knows best and we don't. Dave, so last question for the, for this episode: Who is Dave Glass becoming today in 2024? Well, I mean, in some ways, I wish I knew. I'm always, I've always been the at some degree, and probably all of us are this way. I've always been the same kid that I was when I was 10 or 11 and you have all these dreams and hopes of the future and you, you think of how am I going to be when I'm 30, really old at 30, or how am I going to be when I'm 40? Right, right. right. You have those thoughts, right? When you're, when you're laying out there looking at the stars, just thinking about things and contemplating and you just don't really know when you're that age, right? It's all a wonder. And after having gone through life for a period of time, I still have those moments where I look up at the stars and, and wonder how I'm going to be when I'm really old at uh, 70 or 80, you're right. But, but I do know this, that I'm glad I've changed and I'm glad, I'm glad I've improved and overcome certain things. And there's all these other things I need to know I need to continue to work on. So who am I becoming? Well, I'm still the same kid that I was, but now I'm wiser and, and older and and I still have the hope and the dreams, but now I have a good companion to help me get to those spots. And I feel like I'm becoming a, a person that's closer to being able to return to my Heavenly Father with honor and uh, uh, be in a spot where I can be with my family. And so that's the person I'm hoping I'm becoming and, and want to be.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Connection Podcast. As I mentioned before, we are back and going full steam ahead for season three. Expect weekly episodes, expect new merch coming soon to give out to anybody that shares the show or if you just show up to record an episode, heck, we'll give you merch. We're excited to have you. We're excited to have everybody that comes into our house to record. Thank you, everybody, who's made the show possible. Thank you for people that come to be interviewed. Thank you for people that listen to us or share the show. We're almost at 500 followers. I'd love to get there in the next month or so. Till then, take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm.